0: My first book, Croissants vs. Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences, was published in July 2018. I put a ton of effort into the book launch and was very pleased with the results. 150 Amazon reviews posted within one week of the launch date. Soon though, the fanfare died down and I turned my attention to new projects, like the Mastermind I launched later that year. Nearly a year later, a reader sent me a message through my website contact form titled, You've Changed My Life. He shared specific ways my book helped him transform his way of thinking, including quoting a passage. He said, it inspired me to overcome my anxiety and gave me the tools to have meaningful conversations. He then asked if I would make time to be interviewed for a virtual summit he was launching later this summer. Of course I said yes. After the interview, I asked who else he had lined up as speakers and he listed a lot of men. I wasn't surprised, but knew it was a problem that had an easy remedy. So I asked if he was looking for women to share their expertise and he said yes, he'd love introductions. So I posted a note in a Facebook community I'm active in and specifically encouraged women in the group to reach out about being interviewed on this virtual summit. Out of 23 speakers, 10 ended up being women, and I knew eight of them. I found out later that the other two women were invited by women that I had encouraged to apply. That alone is really great, but the ripple effect of that reader reaching out to me keeps going. Because they were invited to be part of the virtual summit, several of the women figured out how to create a lead magnet and a landing page so they could use the virtual summit to grow their email list. This is a bit of technology they had been meaning to set up, but having a deadline helped them get it done. And of course, there are all the people who tuned into this summit and benefited from the wisdom that was shared by myself and the other speakers. And I've strengthened my relationship with each of these women by making this connection for them. In fact, three years later, half of those women have become collaborators, clients, or both. All of this value was added in several different ways because a reader dared to reach out and say, thank you, and invite me to participate in a project he was working on. Your challenge this week. Have you ever thought about reaching out to an influencer in your field because you admire their work and want to say thank you? Perhaps your life or business has been improved because of a book you read, a podcast you listened to, or some other piece of content that someone labored to put out into the world. Do you find yourself holding back from reaching out because you don't want to bother them, step out of your own way, and reach out? Start by thanking them with some specificity, and then make your ask if you have one. Don't be attached to the outcome. Be open to what becomes possible. You never know the ripple effect your actions may have. Try this and let me know how it goes. And before we dive into this week's interview, are you interested in working with me one-on-one through a half-day deep dive or coaching package? Or do you want to know more about my mastermind program for entrepreneurial women? You can learn more at robbysamuels.com forward slash coaching. A variation of the story I shared today was first published in my weekly email on September 11th, 2018 and will be featured in my new book coming out later this year. Now, onto this week's interview. Today's guest is not self-made, he's community-made. He has a strong desire to rise the tide for everyone and is passionate about supporting community builders who focus their energy on under-resourced communities. Named one of Forbes' top networkers to watch, he founded one of the world's most exclusive communities for entrepreneurs. With just shy of 19,500 applications since its inception in 2013, the invite-only Mastermind Talks community has a lower acceptance rate than Harvard University. MMT community brings together brilliant minds from various industries for curated networking, targeted troubleshooting, and custom live and virtual events. His work has been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine, Forbes, Lifehacker, business insider, and in Tim Ferriss' New York Times bestseller, Tools of Titans. He is also the founder and host of Community Made, a top-rated business podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please join me in welcoming Jason Gennard.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I hope I live up to that introduction.
0: (laughs) Jason, thanks so much for joining us from Toronto, Canada. Um, As you know, the context of this show is leadership, and we'll be talking about building relationships. So let's kick off with how do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead?
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, the, to answer your first question, um, to me, leadership, um, the spirit of leadership is really to create an alignment of strength, uh, strengths in ways that make weaknesses irrelevant. Um, so understanding um, if, if you're leading a team, for example, everyone's unique abilities um, and how you can best create a container for those unique abilities to flourish and how you can best support them. I lead in the context of my own organization and my own team, which is a a small intimate team. There's about six of us. Um, I also lead uh, a community of entrepreneurs within MMT, which you, you kind of briefly touched on. Um, and that is very much a leadership position as well. I mean, we have 150 people in our community. It's very much, um, there's a lot of similarities to leading a company of, of the same size. Um, So, uh, and I never really identified, I guess, as a leader necessarily. I always, uh, I have a lot of friends who've written fantastic books on leadership, uh, and are just, um, just, yeah, thought leaders in that space, so to speak. Um, but, uh, especially as a result, I guess, to touch on your second question, as a result of the pandemic, uh, I've definitely had to showcase some uh, leadership abilities, (laughs) I guess you could say. Um, and, uh, I think they've, they've, they've flourished really over the last, uh, 12 to 18 months at this point.
0: Well, I have to say, you you use the phrase alignment of strengths, um, and I that was a great visual for me too of like, um, and you said alignment strengths to diminish weaknesses. I think is the phrase, uh, to ultimately to make weaknesses irrelevant. To make weaknesses irrelevant. I mean, I th- I love that that idea because um, if you have the right people on your team, right, that it's that kind of model. Like a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs think about like themselves and. They get in trouble when they grow beyond themselves because <laughs> they have to think about a team. Um, and it sounds like you've really mastered that part with your your group of six that you know are helping you do all this. And then you know, as you grew to working with those 150 people in a membership community, there's a different set of um, rules that come into play when it comes to leadership. Um, yeah. And you started alluding in, uh, just now to your growth in the last year. But I, I wonder if we can wind the clock back a bit. <laughs> Sure. I know you say you didn't like strongly identify with the term, but from everything I have learned about you, you've been this whether you claimed it or not. Um, And I don't think you know when you're 12, you're like I'm a leader. Like no one, you know, uses that word. But when were what were the first inklings? Like, is who were you on the playground? Like who who were you in high school? Did you run for office? Like were you outgoing or shy?
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I definitely. um, Looking back, it would be hard to identify. I guess, leadership traits, so to speak. But I definitely was, I do have a, a unique, one of my unique abilities is just my capacity for empathy uh, and putting myself in the shoes of of somebody on my team or somebody um, that we're considering, you know, for MMT as a, as a client necessarily uh, to a degree. Um, so that's always been, a, I guess, a unique ability of, of mine. And as a result of that, um, I've always had the ability to, Influence to a degree because I can understand what motivates people um, for the most part. So, although I wouldn't say I had you know leadership um, tendencies at a young age as far as like, hey, we're all going to do this, but when needed, I had the ability to influence people. And over time, as I kind of my ego has melted away uh, over the years and I've realized I'm not world class at everything. There's only a few things I can do exceptionally well. And, and ultimately I need to bring on brilliant people to, to, um, you know, shed light on my blind spots and, and again, make my weaknesses irrelevant. Um, I've leaned more into this kind of this leadership role, I guess you could say, but it's, it's really been built on the capacity for empathy um, and understanding uh, what motivates people.
0: Yeah. I, I love this because if you can have the capacity for empathy and therefore influence people, that, that's a, it's not the definition of leadership that we sort of grew up with, mm-hmm. but it is the act of leadership, right? It's, it's the verb of leadership, not the noun of leadership. It sounds like you, you had that ability and you nurtured that ability. Were there people in your life that either saw potential in you or that you looked up to because of how they sort of were in the world?
1: I mean, I did not grow up uh, in an environment of leaders, I guess you could say. Both of my parents were um, traditional 9 to 5 type manual labor type workers, uh, I guess you get to to a degree. So, um, I mean, for me, I kind of ventured into entrepreneurship uh, as a result of... I didn't necessarily like being told what to do <laughs> when, I was, when I was in my teens, so I try to blaze my own path and uh, entrepreneurship. You know, when done right, can give you the freedom of time, money, purpose, uh, and relationship. So it's the easiest path to 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 freedom to to an extent. So I leaned into that kind of early on, um, and was very blessed to stumble across um, you know great teachers like Tony Robbins that putting me down the different rabbit holes when it comes to personal development and, and those kind of things. And then I, I, I guess encountered my first mentor when I was 18, um, that I guess saw, uh, promise, uh, promise in me to an extent. Uh, and that became a a pretty significant shift and, and put me on the path of where I am today. And that's been 17 years I've been on this path, I guess you could say. So
0: that's just so cool to think of you, uh, in your teens. Um, Finding your way into entrepreneurship, which which is hard to do if you're not surrounded by entrepreneurs. Like if you're surrounded by people who you you know are not um, not exposing you to that, you know, even even on like a, a small shopkeeper level. Like you're you really had to sort of imagine yourself in a different world. How did you? I mean, you mentioned Tony Robbins, like that's a big figure. Sure. I've met other people who've said they saw what Tony did, but they never realized they could do it themselves because what Tony did was like on a different scale. Sure. So like, you know, you're like, that's what Tony does. I don't like that's, I can't be a speaker. I can't, you know, and then you kind of realize, oh, we actually, I can do all those things. So how did you make the leap of faith or the leap of understanding of who you were? I mean, you, your community made, right? Like, so who in your community actually got you on that path before you met that, that mentor to realize this could be a, a place for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, and the ins- the inspiration from Tony Robbins wasn't in the sense that he was an entrepreneur. It was more in the sense of um, understanding one's unique abilities and understanding one's strengths and gifts, and uh, just really the personal development side, which most entrepreneurs that I tend to um, interact with, uh, and I don't even say entrepreneurs, but they know that good is the enemy of great in all areas of their life. So they want to have a great career or a great business but they don't want to do it at the expense of their health or the relationship with their spouse or the relationship with their kids. So they tend to have a holistic approach to life and kind of investing, um, as much energy equally, uh, in kind of all areas. Um, but for me, I mean, thinking back, you know, ignorance, confidence, and hard work can go a long way. Uh, and I just wasn't much of an academic. I dropped out of high school. Um, so I didn't really have, Uh, a lot of options available to me. Uh, you know, one could say I was unemployable, uh, to, to an extent. And there was a few key moments in my early journey that kind of set me on this path. Um, but it wasn't, um, inspired by anyone specifically. Uh, I did, I did, again, I did not grow up in a, in a, in a family of, of, of entrepreneurs. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I, It was just really trial and error. I was very solo entrepreneur-like for the first little bit. It wasn't until, you know, many years into my entrepreneurial journey that I actually started to build a team and build an actual business. Um, But again, a mentor at the age of 18, uh, what happened was, and this story may be relevant, he was in a magazine. a very very large like Canadian publication, which is similar to like an Inc magazine. And um, they did an article on him where he helps uh, entrepreneurs get um, grants from the government. And I was 18 at the time and I'm like, you must be able to get me a grant. I mean, I'm like, I know there's all these grants available for, for young entrepreneurs, but I can never find them. So I reached out to him and he said, unfortunately, you're like, you're not my target audience. I help like tech companies. Uh, I was like, okay, fine, no worries. Uh, and then the following month, they did a three page, that same mag- magazine did a three page spread uh, on me and my upcoming business, um, I guess you could say. So um, that gentleman ended up reaching back out to me and said, you know what, let's, let's do dinner. Um, and at dinner, um, he just challenged me in many different ways and made me think very differently. And and one of those um those things was really just my beliefs. I I have struggled a lot with self-worth um for a huge part of my life. Um, and back then, I think I was we were probably earn, like earning five thousand dollars a month in revenue. And uh, he challenged me and said, like, imagine a time when you're doing eighty thousand dollars a month. And I was so intellectually, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I see it. Emotionally, I'm like, there's no way. I'm not going to tell them there's no way I'm ever going to do $80,000 a month. Well, lo and behold, three years from that point, we were doing $800,000 a month. And I remember just like stopping my tracks at one point uh, and reflecting back. And I'm like, I can't imagine that three years ago, I couldn't fathom doing a 10th of what we're doing now. Um, And to me, that just goes to show the importance of surrounding yourself with people who think in a very kind of big fashion, the whole Jim Rohn quote of you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, So historically, I tend to surround myself with people who are more financially well off than I am, they tend to be a little happier, a little healthier. um, And uh, uh, that ultimately creates a gap between me and them that I tried to kind of close unconsciously. Um, so yeah, that mentor was huge. And that was really, uh, that kind of opened the door for me into uh, the business world and leadership, I guess you could say.
0: I mean, God, there's so much to, I want to take apart in your story. It's so good. First of all, Jason, you're bringing down the average of the five people, you know, but you're working hard to close the gap. So I appreciate the effort. <laughs> um, smart, smart to do that. You never want to be the smartest person or the happiest person. Right. So yeah, um, what a difference this one individual made uh, for you and your trajectory and the impact you've had on so many people since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the, the word chutzpah comes to mind, the, the fact, the idea that you believed you could reach out to him, you know, said something about who you were even then, like right? You, you know, as much as you may have had some self-limiting beliefs uh, you saw a, a well-known, respected entrepreneur in a magazine, a national magazine, and thought, hey, you should be able to help me. I'm going to reach out. <laughs> you know, like, let's <laughs> sure. got some gall. And then that you already had lined up your own press. One thing you didn't mention is what was your service or product initially when you were getting started in entrepreneurship?
1: Well, I know the uh, one of the, the faults of a lot of uh, individuals when they lean into Um, starting their own business is they try to be everything to everyone. Uh, And that is exactly kind of what my first business was. We were a personal concierge agency uh, where we would run errands for people. Uh, And our slogan was, if it was legal, moral, and we'll save you time, we'll take care of it. So as long as they were willing to to pay $50 an hour, we did everything from chauffeuring them around to uh, doing deliveries to breaking up with their girlfriends and boyfriends, (laughs) which we did on a few occasions. So, um, that was ultimately, it was a service-based business. Um, and that was, uh, yeah, we leaned into that for the first little bit and then we pivoted into a product business, which became ultimately, uh, the business that we scaled. And the product was. So when people thought of the word concierge back then, uh, and I used to wear like a tuxedo and like day in, day out, no matter what we were doing, uh, I was a, Dressed to the nines, I guess you could say. Um, but when people thought of the word concierge, they thought of a hotel concierge. And when they thought of a hotel concierge, they thought of concert tickets oftentimes. So um, because we do anything for almost anyone, people started to come to us. Our clients started to come to us for concert tickets and, and, and sporting event tickets and that kind of stuff. And we would um, ultimately source tickets from brokers and there was these huge huge markups that we just felt terrible passing along to our clients we charge a flat fee it was something like 25 dollars a ticket or something like that but um sometimes these tickets were marked up for five six hundred percent so as a result um we started to stock our own little inventory to save our our clients money um and over time people just kept on coming back coming back um and we just saw it as a as a scalable opportunity because service-based businesses are a little challenging to to scale. It just takes a, a different skill set, uh, which I was ignorant to at the time. Um, so it's much easier to scale a product-based business. And we grew that to, I think it was $6, $6 million a year over four years with outside investments. Um, and the business did well. I was traveling the world, making a ton of money, but with all that money and all that free time, I started to ask myself questions like, why am I here? Will I be remembered? How many people will show up to my funeral? And I was not happy with the answers I was giving myself. I was having a crisis of of meaning at the age of like 23. Um, and I just realized that money and happiness scale very differently and, uh, uh ended up getting out of that business and, and kind of somewhat transitioned into the work that we do now at MMT.
0: Quarter life crisis came a little early for you. It
1: did. <laughs> I'm grateful. A,
0: I'm grateful. It came a little early and magnified um, yeah. given, yeah. given the the life you were in in at the time. I mean, yeah. part of the quarter life crisis is overwhelming number of possible choices, but when you're making that kind of money and have that kind of time at 23 and yeah, like what is your mark on the world? Um, mm-hmm. Which, which really is sort of brings us to, to a today moment and you know, I remember so I've started many communities I mean, you and I have that in common. And whenever I've started a community, it's because it was a need that I felt, um, 100%. you know, I started a, a socially, a social justice, progressive community, um, when I was in Boston and I was like, I need to meet my people. I moved to Boston and I, I built that. I became a dad. And before my kid was born, I started up a group that did a monthly clothing swap for babies and toddlers. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, like, I'm like, I have a need. Other people have a need. Now I have this Friday, no more bad Zoom virtual happy hour that we all get together every Friday and hang out. Yeah. And so I, I'm curious, like, how were you thinking about this as you were approaching And You had this sort of, I don't know, existential crisis of of what was your role in the world? What was your impact going to be? And you could do anything. So how did you decide like MMT or the, were, what brought you in that direction? What was your like personal stake in, in this being built?
1: Yeah. Well, it wasn't as clearly thought out as, as some would assume like connecting the dots, you know, looking backwards, it it makes sense. But at the time for me, I was in a transition period. The short story is when I realized I was kind of on the wrong path with the, with the business. Um, emotionally, when I realized I was kind of out of alignment, I knew I couldn't stay in that business a day longer. I could have sold the business, but that would have taken me probably a year and a half to transition out. um, And I just couldn't do it to myself. So the idea was to scale that business down to zero um, and then have a little bit of money in the bank to find something else, start a new business ultimately. Uh, unfortunately, things didn't go as planned. Uh, there was a couple of things. It was a death of a thousand paper cuts. I removed myself from the business right away and left the team to to continue on. And because I wasn't engaged, they weren't engaged. Um, and then there was two things that were beyond my control that uh, ultimately uh, landed me a quarter million dollars in cash debt in August of 2012. So I had no business, no cash flow. Um, I was getting married this all happened. The house of cards fell in August of 2012. Uh, September 1st, my daughter turned six months old and September 1st, I got married to my wife. And there's a saying that when one door closes, another one opens, but it sucks to be stuck in the hallway. That was a very dark hallway for me at the time. Um, and ultimately, uh, a friend of mine, uh, the following month posted that she had a ticket to go see Seth Godin in New York. Uh, and I never, uh, I've never attended one of Seth's you know, intimate workshops or any of his events, but I've been a huge fan of his books and just his brilliance. So I said, you know what, I'll take the ticket. Uh, So I booked a flight. I stayed in a hostel, which is the first and last time I think I'll ever stay in a hostel. Um, And uh, when I was there, it turned out the theme of it was the connection economy and how there's huge value connecting like-minded individuals, which is obviously, you know, you see value in this is the life that you you live as well. Um, And for me, I just felt very isolated um, and at the time because I, I didn't build my business, my last business, uh, at the expense of relationships, but I also didn't focus on relationships either. So um, when I came back, I decided to plan a dinner uh, to invite eight entrepreneurs out for dinner uh, with the core focus of connecting them. Um, and I had, I mean, for context, when we got married in September of 2012, um, I had a, a little bit of a, I guess, a bachelor you know, gathering in advance of the wedding. I had two people there, my brother and my brother in law. I knew nobody back then. So when I had to fill this dinner, I looked at um, some local business magazines and reached out to these business owners cold. Um, And ultimately, I don't know what the response rate was, maybe 5% at best. But I had them all out to dinner. And conversation didn't skip a beat for four and a half hours. And I just got clarity that Being in the presence of just fascinating people was something I wanted to do to some capacity for the rest of my life and not as a business. I had no intention um, of making this a business. I actually paid for that dinner and all subsequent dinners kind of out of pocket, which was crazy at the time because I was in quarter million dollars in debt. But the way I rationalized it was that the bank could take my car, they could take whatever measly assets I had left, but they couldn't take my relationships. Investing in myself and investing in my relationships were really the safest thing I could do. So I continued on with these dinners um, and uh, about a month or two later, I had an opportunity to do an event with a gentleman named Tim Ferriss. And there's a little story uh, around there if, if we have time to dig into it, but um, just saw it as a chance for me to do what I do in the dinners, but on a larger scale. And if I could have a hundred fascinating entrepreneurs at an event uh, and break even. I just added a hundred amazing entrepreneurs to my peer group, um, and that would also because I was in such despair um, financially, just coming off a, a you know a failed. I was an, a failed business. I kind of burned it to the ground. But um, I was just in a bad space. And for me, if I could focus on this project of putting together an event, um, you know, for six months, that would at least get me focused and. and somewhat moving in the right direction so that when the event was done, I could figure out and have the mental capacity to figure out what next business I'm going to lean into. And uh, as I kind of alluded to before, ignorance, confidence, and hard work can go a long way. The event was far closer to a wedding than it was a a conference because I didn't know how to put on a conference. And that turned out to be the magic uh, of, of MMT. And we decided to do a second one to prove that the first one wasn't a fluke because it went so well. And we did our last one in 2019 uh, in Cabo, Mexico, which would have been our eighth MMT. And our next one is, we have two slated for 2022.
0: Wow, playing catch up, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, there's a little gap as a result of this thing called uh, the pandemic. Um, but, uh, but
0: yeah. A little, little thing you might have heard of. Uh, I, what I'm hearing not said in that story is you have um, a wife who really believes in you.
1: Yes, yeah. Uh, there, uh, oh, there's a, such a great quote. Oh, what is it? How, how does the quote go? Um, a man's loyalty is tested when he has everything, and a woman's loyalty is tested when her man has nothing. Now, I know that's a very general, like high level quote, but uh, my, my wife did stick by my side when we were at the lowest of the low. And that was like the beginning of our relationship. It's not even like we had five, 10 years of strong relationship to, to begin with. And then we just had a little blip on the radar. No, we started unfortunately a little bit in the gutter. Um, yeah. Only and, way is up, right? Yeah. Well, it, it was. And then the pandemic hit. So it's been interesting again, but it's, it's brought us, uh, it's brought us much closer. So no, she's been incredibly loyal, um, and supportive and, uh, uh, I, yeah, I'm beyond grateful. You
0: know, um, I I recognize it because when my wife and I were about to get married, one, she wouldn't, we couldn't get married until I was debt-free. So that mm. was, I, I was on my way to being debt-free, but it was a real motivator. Wow. <laughs> so I, I've been debt-free for almost a decade because of her, which is an incredible thing. And then I was able to start working on my business and in, in, um, in earnest a few years later. And she said to me when we were getting married, you have higher earning potential than I do. Because you're entrepreneurial, and I said you may rue the day you said that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, a few years later, I like took my time building a business, and it's only in this last year that's really paid off. Um, and that's like a decade plus in. Um, you know, I'm an overnight success, ten years in the making, as many yeah, entrepreneurs yeah, yeah. are. Um, but yeah, like the, that you. fact that you were in debt and then said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna take these eight people who are already capable of paying for their own meal." <laughs> and I'm going to take him out to dinner and then I'm going to do it again. And, you know, so like, like, you were willing to invest in those relationships, but you had that partner who was able to like agree to that alongside you. And it sounds like you got such a quick I mean, I know there's a story there with Tim Ferriss, but I just think like there's a lot of tenacity, um, which is a, be- was a different word for chutzpah, I guess. There's a lot of tenacity <laughs> in who you are. Like, you were like, I didn't have no one come. Uh, and I know a little bit of your backstory. You know, I've, I've heard you speak other places. I've heard a little of this. Like like you yeah. you had to really build this from scratch. I think a lot of people see what you've created and assume that you were already floating in a world of entrepreneurs and decided to turn this into a community. You actually had to start by finding people. And you were, like you said, a 5% sort of response rate, cold calling people from magazines, which is, again, you did that earlier too. And I guess you figured it paid off that time. You might as well keep on that streak. But yeah, that's... Something people wouldn't do. A lot of people wouldn't take the time, wouldn't believe in themselves, wouldn't try over and over again.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a saying that what people lack isn't resources; it's resourcefulness. Uh, Like we live in a beautiful time, and there's a ton of privileges living, you know, in this time. Um, But I mean, even I have a nine year old daughter, and just conversations with her, and just really reiterating like all the information in the world is at your fingertips. Like you, I don't really personally care too much about your retention i care about your curiosity because you can you can find it um and for for me even in the position we find ourselves now with with our businesses continuing to, i've been an entrepreneur for seven years 17 years my apologies and it is it's important for me to remind myself that uh, you know resourcefulness is 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 everything and i i can still continue to be scrappy because uh, you're most vulnerable when you're most successful um and uh Yeah. So so resourcefulness is something that I continue to kind of remind myself. It's something that I I preach to others as well. Um, and yeah, looking back uh, on my life there, there's definitely some key moments where, um, I've, I've, I've definitely leaned into that resourcefulness and also knowing getting back to strengths. I know I work best historically. It's not the best, um, to operate this way, but I work best oftentimes with my back against the wall. Um, and i wish it wasn't the case but when the odds are kind of stacked against me uh i do historically have a little bit of a narrative of like i'll show you or i'll show myself you know what i mean like be the hero of your own movie um and i kind of keep that running in the back of my head of like what would the hero in my own movie do right now um so yeah resourcefulness i think is 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 underappreciated
0: yeah i resemble that remark a little bit too i can recognize (laughs) that and me so, um, you know, since we we want to be talking also about relationships in a, in a, yeah, a more please, specific yeah. context, um, I'm curious, you know, you've got your sort of inner circle of people and you've got what I think of as sort of your second and third tiers or second or third layers yeah, yeah. out. Maybe the people you see once a year at a conference or you worked with five years ago, but you don't have a reason to work with them right now. But these are people you like and they like you. How do you nurture and sustain those kinds of connections? How, like this is your broader network. Are there any habits or philosophies or practices that yeah. help you keep stay have top of mind and keep in touch with people?
1: Yeah, so uh to what you said I I I mean for for me um the earlier years of my professional journey um was really I like to sometimes point to um I kind of smile when I hear quotes sometimes um because they're taken as like these sweeping statements that should apply to everyone and there's no context provided and i share that because a lot of times people will point to like a warren buffett um who is obviously one of the richest men on the planet an incredibly brilliant businessman and one of his famous quotes um is the difference between successful people and very successful people is very successful people say no to almost everything um well, there comes a time, especially in the context of relationship building, um, that you need to say yes to everything before you can say no <laughs> to everything, everything, so or anything for that matter. So early on in my you know entrepreneurial journey, I attended a lot of events, I met a lot of people, I went deep with a lot of relationships, and I find myself now in a position where the key to a strong network is really subtraction and not addition, and being very conscious as far as where I allocate my time, um, just because it's not I don't have an abundant you know. A pool of time, so to speak, or bandwidth for that matter. So um, to what you said, I, I do tend to look at my relationships, uh, I guess, in specific kind of buckets. Um, and one of the more powerful, I think, least utilized buckets, I guess you could say, um, is this idea of like fans. Um, so I have a list, uh, I, I put them all in the email list, and you'll see why in a second, where it's roughly, let's say, like a 1000 people in this list. And these are individuals that um I guess the qualifier is that like, if I sent them an email, they wouldn't be, uh, like they'd be happy to receive it. Uh, and it would most likely, uh, drive a response. Like I have rapport in that relationship. So maybe I met them once and we really hit it off. Maybe I've met them 20 times. Uh, but we just, you know, they're, they're not in like the, the inner circle, I guess you could say. Um, but ultimately every quarter, or so not, it's not like clockwork. It's anytime I feel like I have something to share a significant update, I'll send an email to all those individuals. Um, and it's just really an update, um, as far as things that are going on in my life. And it's a very open and transparent, um, look into my life and some of the, um, you know, uh, opportunities that I have, you know, in front of me and the obstacles as well. Um, so for example, you know, full transparency, the last one I was, uh, I, I sent out was about just us navigating the pandemic, being in the live experience space. I also shared one of my parents going to rehab, uh, and navigating that. Um, so I share very, very openly in, in, in those emails and people really appreciate it. Um, and it's amazing what can happen as a result of sending that out to that kind of core group of people. I mean, the amount of people that came, uh, that come out to support, whether it's offering suggestions, resources. I mean, uh, I, it's, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, so to me, that's one of the greatest tools I have to kind of activate that peer group. And it's also, I mean, it's an open invitation. Like I'll send out that email and people will reply with like a 2000 word, you know, update of their own of like what's going on in their lives. So, um, so that's a, a really, really helpful tool that I've been leveraging over the years. And a handful of core friends of mine uh, leverage a similar type of, of, of tool as well. I mean, social media is, is a great tool as well, but it's very rare that you can provide really good context um, and a, a really kind of clear picture. Um, and not everybody's on social media, or, and it's very likely oftentimes they'll, they'll, they'll miss it. So uh, email has been a fantastic tool for that.
0: I've been asking this kind of question now for almost five years, and this is a unique response. So I, I really appreciate <laughs> you sharing this in some detail. And I also heard you talk about how you sort of lead with vulnerability, yeah. um, and uh, that's that's what people are probably really responding to—that they're getting a peek into your life. Um, and you know, social media is a is a is the high gloss version of our lives. Like as a parent, I I fight. The temptation. My wife and I talk about this, like to always talk about, this, how great our kids are doing," and like, "Look at this awesome thing they did," and and not just like, "Here's the mess," yeah,
1: yeah <laughs>
0: you yeah. know, um, and isn't that funny? Like, here's this, you know, thing that they're struggling with. So, uh, without embarrassing anyone, but I do think like you're you're putting things out there, and then people, of course, are responding in a real way. But you found a way to um, really one to many that approach yeah. that still feels good to people. I yeah. think that's the trick. Like if you just posted on facebook no one thinks it's actually meant for them but if you email them and yes, exactly. 999 people yeah um do you is it sent through like a, a is it sent through a system so it really is one to them like is it just is it a bcc is it an email list or is it something that allows them to receive a one-on-one message from you
1: so the last one i sent uh historically i like i shy away if possible from sending it through like a mailchimp or an email service provider like that because it will lose its its personal nature. Um, However, last time I sent it through Gmail and that was a disaster um, because I got a lot of responses and it was hard to track who responded because it comes up as like a thread and it was just way too overwhelming. Um, So I know there's some you know, replies that I forgot as a result, uh, which is heartbreaking. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, what we're, what I'm leaning into next is ultimately some kind of email platform, but trying to make the email as like not flashy. It's not a newsletter. It's, it's like very much like raw and like, here's what's going on. Here's the beautiful opportunities. And I always try to lead as well with like, uh, and this is challenging for me historically. Um, I usually try to lead with a give. So, um, you know, I just, I always try to lead with a give. That's easy. Um, but also having an ask. Um, that is a, a muscle that I'm trying to exercise. Um, and when you build this beautiful peer group, it is incredible what is, um, you know, available to you. There's a saying that all problems could be solved with the right peer group. And at the same time, all opportunities can be leveraged with the right peer group as well. So being able to articulate this to a core group of people that, that care about you, that you have rapport with, it's, yeah, it's absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah, I've often said any uh, relationships are the answer to any business or life challenge.
1: One hundred percent, one hundred percent, and that, and that is honestly, that's the biggest challenge I see amongst a lot of people that are great at building relationships. At our event in twenty seventeen, we had a gentleman named Zach Anner, who I adore. He's become a, a dear friend, um, and he has uh, he's a quadriplegic and he came to the event, he's a YouTube star. Uh, he does these YouTube videos where he he just makes um, makes light of like, you know, I guess his, uh, some of his challenges. So he'll like do a video of him trying to run on a treadmill and it's, it's just, and, he, it, he, and he's a comedian. So I brought him to the event in 2017 um, and the spirit of the event was, or the spirit of bringing him there um, was he can't do anything without the support of others. And so many people, myself included, are brilliant at building these strong relationships, these strong bonds, but we're terrible at asking for help when we need it. Um, so that's been a muscle I've been really trying to to work. And what you kind of alluded to at the beginning of this this um, interview of um, being community made that was from Zach, and I got his permission to 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 run with it, to use it, um, where he ended his talk saying, "I'm not self-made; I'm community-made." And I was like that. Good sir, is brilliant. It is beautifully said. So, um, so yeah. I mean, that that fringe network, I guess you could say, um, those fans, the people that I have rapport with. Um, again, every quarter, roughly every quarter or so, sending an email out to them with an ask, give, and a really honest assessment as far as where I am and where I'm where I'm planning to go um, has been again nothing short of amazing as far as the response.
0: It sounds it sounds awesome. I would actually love to hear kind of where you think life's going, and if we were connecting again a year from now, and uh, you're catching me up on just you know all that's transpired. I want to know what we're going to be celebrating. What what do you, what do you think is uh what, what do you have to look forward to in the next twelve months?
1: Yeah no well that's, that's so we use this question a lot um, or I use this question a lot in conversation of like if we were to meet a year from today with a bottle of champagne or kombucha uh, whatever speaks to you what are we celebrating and to me it's it's a beautiful way and it's a fun way to ask a question instead of like what are your goals uh, and what are your pain points and all that kind of stuff so so thank you for asking uh, uh, that question uh, I mean for me you know at the time of this recording we're still at In a pandemic we're at the tail end of the pandemic but we're still um you know in it to a degree and historically i'm in the in-person live experience space um and a lot of folks in our industry have pivoted digitally and uh i mean it has worked beautifully for 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 many but if the pandemic has taught me anything is that we are more bullish than ever on live in-person face-to-face experiences uh I think it's going to be so needed, um, and people are yearning for it, especially being in you know lockdown and isolation for so long. Um, so for us, you know, we had an event uh, in our, in October of 2019. We had one slated for June of 2020, um, which we ended up postponing to June of 2021. Uh, and thankfully, every single member of our community transitioned. They didn't like we offered a refund or move your spot a full calendar year out, and everybody paid in advance everybody moved their spot a full calendar year out and then June 2021 which is only a few months away from this recording last month we had to tell the community we have to shift the event again to June 2022 so and again thankfully every single person in our community moved their spot for a full calendar year so um we're just buzzing with excitement to finally get back to live experiences in 2022. So um, we're, we're pushing to do two live experiences in 2022. So if we're to meet a year from today, we will have hopefully celebrated one successful live experience um, and be ramping up for, uh, for another, because our community is definitely, is definitely aching for it. So
0: I can't wait to celebrate all that with you. It sounds amazing. I would love, this has been a great conversation. I would love to know how people can find you and follow your work.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I'm re- readily accessible on social media platforms, so Instagram uh, and and Facebook at Jason Gaynard. Uh, I have a podcast that... um works in seasons. Uh, so I did a season on relationships specifically, uh, where one of the episodes was kind of digging deep on how I structure my, my peer group, how I prioritize and how also how I nurture them. And that podcast is called Community Made. Um, and uh, communitymade.com is the domain for it. Um, and that's basically, uh, I'd say that's probably, those are the best platforms.
0: That's amazing. And if people want to um be nineteen thousand five hundred and one yeah. <laughs> there's always that it's pretty incredible the yeah. the attraction you have, have created around what you what what the community is that's that's uh that's really impressive
1: yeah well i mean I, I again i i honor you know folks like you that i mean building community is not easy. And it's it's hard work. There's much easier ways to to make money, so to speak. Uh, You could be selling widgets on Amazon, but um, it's important work. It's really important work. So you know, I'm definitely uh, I'm grateful for you and the work that you're doing. And, um, I mean, no community is, I mean, it's easy to look at MMT and what we built and say, like, Oh, that, like, that's, that's a community I want to build, but even doing smaller type initiatives, um, similar to, you know, some of the things that you've done, uh, even around, you know, being a father (laughs) and that kind of stuff is, is beautiful. Like I always say, like the stronger, the uncommon commonality amongst people, the stronger the bond. Um, and there's, I mean, you can do, build community for, you know, stressed out single moms, you can build community for former veterans, you can build, I mean, we are in an epidemic um, of just loneliness and isolation. And, you know, the pandemic has really just added more pressure and weight to that. So, um, although we've had, again, great success building community with MMT, you know, even if you put together a group of three people and create a sense, a container of safety and belonging, um, it is, that's what our world needs. Is truly what our world needs. So again, I'm just grateful for for people like you um, that lean into this work because I know I know firsthand it's not easy, but it's it's rewarding and it's it's it matters.
0: I love it. With that, we'll make that your closing remarks. Thank you so much for your time, Jason. This has been wonderful.
1: I appreciate you having me. Thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jason. Such a pleasure to speak with him and learn about his leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 251. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. And don't forget to subscribe for free yourself so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review in Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week. we will be interviewing another talent professional who has achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week.
1: Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's on the schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.